<laughs> all right yeah. we're here we're back with another episode of what are you creating that's my fancy intro that you don't get uh because i didn't want to put a fancy intro together for this podcast it's just it just is what it is i'm creating conversations not something to impress people paul klein is my guest today paul how are you brother doing great anytime i get to spend some time with cliff is always a good time you know i'm trying to think how how far back my recollection goes to hanging out with you. There's one time that seems to stand out in my mind. You and your wife were at, I believe, a Carrie Oberbrunner conference I went up to in Columbus, Ohio. And I think you invited me out to dinner or I invited you guys out to dinner. I don't know which way it went, but we had dinner (laughs) together uh, there in Columbus. Is is that the first time we interacted or or there were times before that maybe just brushing shoulders at conferences? I think I may have been in your uh, podcast A to Z course before that. Oh, but you, okay. You know, you were, you were, uh, that was kind of at the tail end of that. And then you were transitioning and then we'd never met in person by any means. That's but what I meant. Yeah. Met, meeting you in were, person. You were definitely my uh, first or second podcast rotation with Dan Miller and, and a few others. But uh, uh, yeah, actually, we were at the hotel for Carry Overrunners event and I, uh, I got in the elevator. And this guy walks in. He just got done working out. He's all sweaty. I go, that's Cliff Raisencrass. He's running the stairs. Like he's doing what he always talks about. And I go, Cliff. And then we we met. And uh, yeah, we we connected and uh, went to dinner and appreciated our time together and kind of gotten to know each other ever since then. Of course, I knew you and your stories from your podcasts for many years before that. Probably going back to like '09 or something. I mean, I started listening really early on. That's awesome. So. Yeah, podcasting A to Z. So you took podcasting A to Z, and I we were just talking before I hit the record button. Yours, you've got a. Do you have both the Rodecaster Pro and the fourteen oh two VLC four mixer in front of you? Yes. Well, I, so you said that you still use the old one because it's old school. What do you use the uh, Rodecaster for? The I use the uh, mixer to power my speakers. I have some Yamaha subwoofer fancy studio speakers, and I can't really power that because it's all XLR. So I uh, I use the uh, I use that to power the speakers, and then and play my music when I'm working. But then when I do podcasting or recording, I run everything through the road. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna get down to business here. I am open to changing the format and the way that this show goes at any point in the future. So if you're listening to this show, don't don't think that I'm committing myself in stone to asking the same questions every single week or every not that it's week. This is like the second one this week that I've done. But uh, I'm going to ask you the same questions that I asked John Lee Dumas in the previous episode. And the first one, I think it's the most important question you could possibly ask anyone, and certainly of yourself. Who are you? <laughs> who am I? Yeah, oh, like, man. Yeah, I'm, who who am I? I am Paul Klein. <laughs> so, no, I, I, uh, I, that's a deep question. I wasn't prepared for that, but I mean, uh, I mean the typical answer is I'm Paul Klein. I'm an entrepreneur, podcaster, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, I guess I'm, uh, deep down a guy who loves uh, business, who loves helping other people achieve their dreams and goals. And I uh, feel like I've had some success, you know, not uh, star success per se or E excess, but um, success in business. And I love sharing what I've learned over the years. And I think it goes back to my big why 
um, way back when I first started listening to you and Dan Miller and my virtual mentors, as I called them, I was a uh, 18 year career, you know, just doing everything I was supposed to be doing to everybody else's standards, not my own. And so, um, I really, uh, was stuck in that I was 40 and I felt like, Oh, I got to stay here till I'm 55. And it was that whole, you know, you're supposed to stay in that job, the white picket fence and everything, but I was really living someone else's, um, purpose and dream and everything. And so, and I, I could have taken one of two st- uh, paths, you know, one of the um, staying where you're at because that's the responsible thing to do, or I could start entertaining this fun new thing called entrepreneurship. And uh, that just, yeah, that was, that was the world of difference for me. So you tapped into the second, like that kind of my purpose. I hear who you are is somebody who loves to help people. Um, and if, if I were to just ask you, why are you here? That's some of that purpose. Is there anything more that comes to your heart and to your mind about the answer to the question? Why are you here? Why are, why are you walking this, this earth? <laughs> man, those are really good questions. Um, oh man, I mean, my family, my, you know, faith and, um, you know, you know, the first, first things that come to my mind. And then, um, but uh, you know, in, in a lot like Dan talks about, you know, finding that, that merging of your purpose, um, your calling and what you love to do with actually making money to support yourself and the lifestyle you want. And, uh, and I guess that's, you know, that goes back to that, what I was kind of trying, I didn't really, wasn't very clear, but in 09, you know, feeling, feeling that dreaded, um, just how, the, the path I could have taken had I not found entrepreneurship was probably a heart attack. Who knows? Suicide. I don't know. I was in a j- job I hated and I was living someone else's doing what everybody else was the responsible thing. And I hated it. I, it just, you know, 18 years. And, and I just really came to that, that, that um, enlightenment that, man, there's so much more out there because being an entrepreneur was so irresponsible. That's not a real job. That's not a real career. And, you know, watching you and Dan and John Lee Dumas and different people just really do um, great things in the entrepreneurial space and not so much being a star, just, just creating your own business that uh, works around your lifestyle and not your, (laughs) and not your lifestyle around your business. And, uh, and then, and then realizing that it's so much, so much freedom and clarity in that. Uh, whether you're a person of faith or not, I think that's, that can be a great outlet for people because so many, so much time, so, so often society says you have to go to college, get a career, stay in the same job until you retire. And that's just not, that just doesn't fit everybody. And there's so many other options out there. And I, and I love, I love, um, you know, exposing those, those thought processes and those different opportunities that are available to, to as many people as we can. Have you ever read the book, the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. No, I'm going to write it down. It is an incredible book. And the audiobook, I think, is only four hours long. So I, I literally listened and read this entire book in one afternoon. It was that good. I, I couldn't stop. I'm like, there's, yeah. I cancel everything. I'm doing this today. In it, he talks about this thing called the dream of the planet. 
And then we have what's called our personal dream. And the dream of the planet is all of the conditioned ideas that have been handed down from generation to generation to generation to the gen- to generation. And the idea is that a dream is is the it's this idea, it's this picture, this vision of how life ought to be. And mm. what happens is we make these agreements with people. They say, for example, you need to go to college. You need to get a right. job. You need to work there for forty years. You need to stay loyal. Those, those are those are things that are taught and and they're a vision and a picture of what they think success is, and and it it gets handed down from our teachers and from our peers and from our parents and religious leaders in many cases, and we get all these things taught to us and we agree with them, and that's why it's called agreements. Yeah, And so if we continually take the dream of the planet and agree with it, it becomes our, it, it becomes what we live our life by. But the question is, is can I actually create my own agreements? Can mm. I, can I choose what my vision is? Can I create my own dream? And that's what I hear you're talking about is, is, Man, what's my purpose? Why am I here? In your the way that I am interpreting what I heard you say, as it relates to the filter of this concept of this book, which I think if you read it, you'll your mind will yeah. be blown. But I hear that I, I was living by the agreements that I I was living under the agreements with everyone about how they thought my life ought to be. But I had this enlightening moment where I realized, wait a second, life doesn't have to be this way. I can break up with these agreements that I've made with the with the dream of the planet, and I can actually create my own personal dream and pursue it. And that's what I hear that you've you've done and tapped into. Absolutely, I. Uh, it was it, and that's what uh, is the big whys because I felt so you know, down and depressed and like, uh, you know, it could have went into a bad direction. And I think there's other people that feel that way. I mean, I was at 40, some people find it at 30, some people find it at 50 or 60. It doesn't matter when, but once you realize that there's so much more out there and, and, uh, you're, you're, you, you can create your own destiny, your own, your own path. And you write the rules, you know, we're running our own race, you know? And so, and everybody thought I was crazy. I mean, $150,000, your job, full benefits, full retirement at 55, three kids and a mortgage. And this was in 09 when the stock market crashed, Obama just became president. So it wasn't the time to be going out on your own. And my dad was like, are you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> and I'm like, I got this, I got this. And, uh, boy, it was so much, so energizing and just fulfilling and, and then reading, reading and consuming good content, like, you know, your podcast and Dan Miller and just so many, you know, books out there, uh, just, you know, and and having that growth mindset to, to lead you on that journey and surrounding you by those people getting in mastermind groups or, uh, different, uh, things that help you with that. That really helps you stay on track and, and get through that. And, uh, and boy, it's it's just a great place to be. I'm just so jazzed. <laughs> so I'd love to ask you this question, and it came up for me as you were just talking about there. You've mentioned the fact of being depressed several times. Uh, you know, it was. It seems like there was some pretty dark nights of the soul that were happening before you made this transition to to go out and and pursue the dream that was welling up inside of you. How long did it? Uh, what? You, so when did you become full-time self-employed? When did you leave the day job? That's the first question. 
in oh, uh, late 08, early 09. Okay, late, so let's just say 2009, you left the day job. And how long had you been dreaming of creating your own thing prior to that? Yeah, I started um, moonlighting on the side um, and probably for about a good year, year and a half, maybe even, um, and started developing clients. And that's what I teach. You know, don't just jump off the, you know, don't just jump and try to figure out how to fly on the way down. I started developing contracts, uh, clients and everything. And I had agreement with my current employer. So they knew what I was doing. I was working the, the 15 hour extra a week uh, to get clients. And so I developed contract and marketing funnel and everything. Um, so that when I was ready to jump off, um, although my wife told me not to tell her, we can talk about that. <laughs> That's kind of a funny story, but, um, but anyway, so I was working for, for, for a while. I didn't just jump and then, you know, I, I had a plan in place and a, and a, and a client base to start from. So you started moonlighting on the side. How long before you started moonlighting on the side had you been dreaming about moonlighting on the side? Oh, I probably for a few years. Yeah. I mean, it was, I think, uh, when was it? It was in, uh, Oh six or Oh seven. I broke my leg. And so I had a lot of podcast time. <laughs> and so I was reading books and, you know, I wasn't working and, and, uh, it was a, it was that traumatic kind of thing. And it kind of snapped me a little bit cause I couldn't, you know, it was snapped me out of my routine, which was a good thing. And it's probably God saying, Hey, I'm going to break your leg. Cause you're not, you're not headed in the right direction. And I really exposed me to some new thoughts and stuff. And so for, I'd say, uh, I started dreaming and thinking about what was possible in, in 07. And then by the time I took action was in 09. So there was a good few years of dreaming. Yes. After you quote unquote woke up from the dream of the planet. Exactly. I love it. And, and what I love about this is there's so much power in this one phrase that you said, I'd have to go back and replay word for word what you said, but I broke my leg it was off work, couldn't work for how long did you say? I forget how long it was, but, um, it's been it, at least six weeks. Yeah. It was a couple of weeks before I could actually go back. Um, yeah. Yep. So, so, and then you said, well, all of a sudden now it broke me out of my routine. There's another way that I've learned to see those or to perceive those words broke me out of my routine. And that is, it took me out of my hypnotic rhythm. Ah, there you go. And here's another one. It took me out of the trance state that I was in. Yes, I would agree with that. And it created what's called a transcendental or a end of the trance state of mind. So all Mm -hmm. of a sudden now, I. by the way, for those who are not familiar, this idea of living in the hypnotic rhythm is... Well, gosh, we're just, we are going through life most of the time on autopilot. <laughs> yep. we, we basically have taken all of the programming code that we've adopted and in our subconscious mind, all the things that we believe, all of the things that we feel, all the things that we've experienced, and we have adopted routines. The word routine was in there. And so these routines are programs that just automatically run our life. So Paul, do you remember driving to work and have you ever uh, actually left work one day and then you pull into your driveway and how how long of a drive was that from your day job to home? 
Yeah, everything was supposedly perfect. It was just a few miles, so it's hometown. A, so how many yeah. minutes would you say? It, it was probably with traffic and everything, you know, maybe 10 minutes. All right, so 10 minutes. So even 10 minutes, you literally could have lost your life. Most people who have serious life-threatening accidents happen within a few miles of their home. So 10-minute drive from, from the workplace to home. And how many years did you do that? Well... 18 years total, but, uh, but when I kind of started coming out of that state was, you know, a couple years. So, but I want you to think about this 18 years of driving home about 10 minutes in those 18 years, was there ever a single day where you pulled into your driveway and you did not remember actually consciously driving home? Oh yeah. All the time. (laughs) That's exactly where I was going all the time. All the time. Or the wife says you're supposed to go pick something up and you just drove home anyway and you get in the driveway, you got to pull out before she sees you and go go get, <laughs> go get back to the store. Because you're on hypnotic rhythm. You're not even thinking. I, and I, I probably bring this up in several of these conversations just because it bears repeating over and over again. I it just, if, when, I, when I woke up to the reality that the number of times that I will get onto the expressway traveling 70, 75 miles per hour, and I'll be on there for an hour or more and not consciously aware that I've ever touched my turn signal, not ever consciously aware that I've touched my brake pedal or my gas pedal, not consciously aware that I've passed however many cars. I, you could ask me what color was any car that I passed, and I wouldn't be able to tell you because in my mind, in my conscious mind, I never saw a single car. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here operating a death machine <laughs> yeah. in a hypnotic state. <laughs> so true seriously think about this is and that's what we're doing through life and then so all of that paul to say what i heard is you know gosh i broke my leg and it woke me out of this hypnotic state it tra- yeah. it ended the trance and all of a sudden i'm like whoa what am i doing with my life is there anything else that's an opportunity for me to pursue beyond what I've been doing hypnotically for the last 18 years of my life. So true. It is It is exactly what it is. And, and that's what breaking routines is so helpful. That's why I like traveling. I used to travel a lot um, once I went out on my own and those travels really break that routine and keep your, I don't know, it's something, it, it energizes your mind so you don't get comfortable and, and, and just, it keeps you growing and, and, and active and, and stimulated. So it's, so routine can be good, but it can also be very, um, you know, deadening or you can succumb to it if you're not careful. Yeah. I, I, I like to think of this as routine is what routine is, but there are routines that you're aware of and you consciously chose and then there are the ones that you are doing because you just adopted it when you were seven years old and have been living it ever since. Or you adopted it more recently and you got into a rhythm. I, I'll give you a perfect example of this. I, there's been on my fitness and health journey a number of times when I'm like, gosh, I've just went 18 months straight without breaking keto and all this other stuff and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, I will get out of that rhythm. Something will happen. Let's just say COVID, for example, you know, and 
and now it's like, you know what? I, for some reason, I feel like I would like to have this. And so, you know what? This, this isn't so bad. It, it, okay, I'm going to have a baked potato. This is, a give it, this is an example of breaking the routine. A baked potato. A, bake, a full-blown baked potato with butter and cheese and, and uh, bacon bits on top of it. All of <laughs> that, that will break me out of keto. So now, all of a sudden, well, now I'm out of keto. Well, I guess it can't get any worse if I just had a little sugary treat. Yeah. You know? And next thing you know, I it's like, oh, you, well, you know what? Let's have, I'm going to get some ice cream for this television show that I'm watching. And mm-hmm. I never consciously chose it. But all of a sudden, over the next three to four nights, every night I sit down to watch television, I'm eating a sugary treat. Mm-hmm. And it and it go and I'm not I'm not even aware I'm in a hypnotic trance. Right, right. And it's like whoa. So it, it, routines are amazing. In fact, it, it's our uh, subconscious program. It's how we live our lives. If we didn't have it, it it we couldn't live this life. But it, it being consciously aware of what our routines are and why are we doing them? What purpose do they serve? And and yeah. There's all kinds of stuff we could go in there. That's that's fun <laughs> stuff, Paul. Yeah. So you broke free from the hypnotic rhythm, started dreaming after you broke your leg, and a couple... So let me ask you this. You started moonlighting on the side. Was what you started moonlighting on, on the side exactly to the... like? Was it a perfect picture of what you had been dreaming? Or did you dream about all sorts of options uh, yeah, I had all kinds of different ideas and options. I'm an idea of guys. So, but I settled in on, and, and I kind of followed Dan Miller's advice, you know, look inward. What do I have to offer, you know, that my expertise experience will complement. And so I decided to niche down and become a consultant about the same. This was all about the same time Pat Flynn was starting his journey. And, and if you remember Pat Flynn's story, he created a, uh, an ebook for a state exam in California. I did the same thing, but I did it under the guise of our corporation, not my name. So our company became very well known in that space, not Paul, because I was, I'm, I, I didn't want to put myself out there. I didn't have a Facebook page or any of that kind of stuff yet. <laughs> very shy. And uh, so I'll head behind the corporate veil, so to speak. But it did really well. And I really just niched down and became that consultant. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, the revenue started coming in. And, um, and I thought, man, if I can do this full time, I know I can replace my income. But my wife wasn't sold. She was like, well, you know, I, I know you're miserable and you don't like your job and everything, but just don't tell me when you quit. And so one weekend we were home and I had, I had quit, but I hadn't told her. And, uh, and she's like, Hey, honey, on Monday, can you pick up the kids? I have a dentist appointment. And I said, well, I can pick up the kids whenever you want now. And she's like, no, you didn't do it. Did you? (laughs) I'm like, well, uh, you told me not to tell you, so I can't really answer that question, but I can pick up the kids on Monday. Let me just put it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. And then from then on, yeah, that was, um, haven't looked back and uh, never thought about going back and, um, and just uh, making that transition uh, with with client work. And then it was about 18 when you and I met, finally met in person that I kind of came out of my my shell, so to speak. I started posting on social, started kind of developing my personal brand and created a podcast and so forth, trying to find my zone of genius um, as opposed to my zone of excellence, which was what I would call my consulting work. If I remember our conversation in Columbus, which is the only time I ever talked to you about what kind of consulting work you did, 
do I remember correctly that you were consulting people on handy accessibility? Yes, ADA. Handy, yeah. Okay. Wow. I, I'm shocked that I remember that. So that's because I was asking, I was, my next question was going to be, okay, you said that you chose consulting out of all the ideas that you had been dreaming of a couple of years, you chose consulting. Uh, then it took you until 2018 to start really f- identifying what's my zone of genius. What is your zone of genius? <laughs> it's definitely in that, in this entrepreneurial creative space and helping people, you know, create their own businesses. Um, right now with visible TV, which we just launched in January, we're telling the stories of creatives and entrepreneurs to help inspire other people to take that jump. Now I know entrepreneurship is not for everybody, but so many of us feel like it's not the responsible thing to do, or it's, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's irresponsible or it can't be a real job or anything like that, but it, it, it can be. And I, and I like to show people what's uh, possible, whether that's through coaching, consulting, visible TV, podcasting or whatever it is, just giving that hope and inspiration. So people don't feel like I did in 09, like there's no hope and haven't got out of there. What do you call it? The, uh, their trans, their, their trance. Yeah. Their hypnotic <laughs> trance. Yeah. 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 So it's like, you got to get out of that. And, uh, what did and, you just say? Giving hope and what did you say something inspiration? else? And thank you. Hope and inspiration. Um, in the book, the big leap, and of course, I I talk about the big leap a ton. Yeah, I, I, I even have it right here. I found here. out about it. It was I, you. I, I, that's funny because I heard about it from Dan. <laughs> so I I go through this a whole lot, and when I think about the big leap, um, and I think about this thing called the zone of genius, I I see a lot where people think when they think, "What is my zone of genius?" It's what I do for work. So, for example, I I heard you say my zone of genius is helping people launch businesses, and um, what I what I'd like to know is what is it you're actually doing? What because I know that launch helping people launch businesses is the current application of your zone of genius. But I wonder if you know, are, are you able to articulate um, what your actual zone of genius is? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm still figuring that out as life goes on here. But I mean, it's more than just launching business. I think that's kind of the the, the front facing piece of it. But it's, it's probably more... Um, let get, get letting people know there's more out there than, than just the status quo. Um, especially for those that are stuck in a day job or in a, in a, in a trade or doing something they, they dislike. And so whether that's through business coaching. And then I also, I'm like Dan Miller a lot. I, I have that merging. I get up every day and I'm super excited to do what I do. I'm like, I'm jazz. I can't wait to get home from the gym. And so I don't look at it and I rather sometimes work at seven at night instead of watch garbage TV because, you know, and I don't work all the time, but I, but I enjoy it a lot. So I, um, I don't look at it as like work. It's, it's more of kind of like what I do. And so that area of uh, what I think of my zone of genius is, is to helping people not just launch businesses, but just know what's possible, giving them hope and inspiration, uh, to get out of that, um, stinking thinking if they're having that, or if they feel like I did in 09, like there's no hope, you know, and there's no, there's no other path because society says you have to do the corporate job until you're 50 and then retire. Um, that I, you know, helping people see that and get out of that is, is, um, 
is enjoyable, you know, and just seeing other people succeed. So here is what I'm hearing your zone of genius is giving hope, inspiring others and waking people from the trance of what life, what they believe life is so that they can actually choose to create life on their terms, something like that to break, to, to wake them up to their own dreams rather than living the dreams of others, giving them hope and inspiring them in that way. Do you mind if I ask you the questions that are in the book, The Big Leap, to clarify and see if the, and confirm this? Sure, I'm I'm game. All right, I don't know if I can answer them, but I'll try. I'll, you, these are very easy questions to answer. So the first thing I'm going to ask you th- is this question. If you never needed a, to earn another penny a day in your life, you're set financially, what would you love to be doing? Oh, man. Uh, I would love to be uh, filming documentaries for Visible TV and profiling op- entrepreneurs. Um, I would still do that there you uh, for, without a doubt. I love just being in that space. There you go. <laughs> Now, the next question, I'm going to ask you the question, but I'm going to read to you in parentheses on my on my notes here what I'm asking when I ask this question. So, wait until I ask you the question the second time, okay? So, the question is, what do I most love to do? Now, before you answer that, something I can do for long stretches of time without ever getting tired or bored. What do I most love to do oh man um there's so many things (laughs) i'd love to play basketball but my body can't do that anymore um i love um but uh you know i i man i I get my coffee i come in here and i love creating um you know uh i love creating and um whether that's i used to be music you know i played in a hair band in the 80s that's a whole nother part of the story that's you see the guitars in the background and you know a little bit of that story cliff but one of those things i don't usually talk about a whole lot uh, being a corporate stiff but um but i I guess that's kind of that creative uh uh, thing that i i just do i can you know, whether it's crafting emails, setting up a web page, uh, creating an email campaign or um, landing page for, you know, or, or planning out the next guest on visible TV and how that story is going to come out and profile them in the best way fashion. I could sit there for hours until my wife says, Hey, get down here for dinner. <laughs> you know, it's time to quit. So, All right. Next question. I'm going to, again, I'm going to ask the question, explain the question and ask the question a second time. What work do I do that doesn't seem like work. The kind of stuff that I, when I do it, like the the stuff that I do where when I do it, I always end and say, oh my gosh, this is exactly why I do what I do. (laughs) So what work do I do that does not seem like work? Man, it's kind of the same. I mean, um, it's it's very similar. I mean, um, I love... The other day we were shooting um, Tim Schur, you know, who used to work with StoryBrand and Donald Miller um, at our studio in Nashville and just hanging out with him in the green room and, uh, you know, networking and talking to other entrepreneurs. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just um, that process uh, being at events like Free the Dream and and uh, and and those kinds of things where or at Carrie Roberbrunner's event when we first met. I love being doing that. It doesn't seem like work, it, it, you know, even though it's a business expense and it's part of work, it doesn't seem like work. And OK, great. Now, question number three, 
Uh, and again, there's it's a longer question, but I'm going to do the explanation as well. So, in my work, what produces the highest ratio of abundance and satisfaction to the amount of time spent? And here's the explanation. Even if I only do a few minutes of this thing, an idea or a deeper connection may spring forth that leads to huge value. So the question, in my work, what produces the highest ratio of abundance and satisfaction to the amount of time spent? Wow. Man, I don't know if I have a good answer for that one. Maximum I should know that. So, um, so let me let, so think about this. Let me explain it in another way because this is a really simple question. I promise you, it's inside of your subconscious mind, and it'll pop right back up. It just needs to get triggered. So, eighty twenty rule. You know what it means. It's it's there's there's the twenty percent that we do that gets us eighty percent of the results. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we often apply that to money. Now I want you to think about what are the what's the twenty percent of the activities you do in your daily working life that produces eighty percent of the satisfaction and and the amount of a, just the feeling of abundance and fulfillment. Well, I hate to tie it to money. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, but uh, why do you hate we, that? Well, I just, you know, because the dream of the planet told you that you should hate that. Yeah. Yeah. That a little bit, but, but it's a a dichotomy, so to speak, because when you do really well in the marketplace and you're rewarded or, or as uh, Rabbi Lappin says, you get rewarded with certificates of appreciation, i.e. dollars that allows you to have the, the life and the freedom. And uh, because I really truly believe that true wealth is, um, is discretionary time. And so when I do well on a launch or a product or a, uh, an event or something that, that does really well financially, I know that's going to allow me next, the freedom for the next four months to spend more time with my family or, or friends or, or whatever. Cause I'm not going to have that pressure of trying to uh, take every job. So, so I guess it's those, it's, it's landing those big nuggets financially because it, it, it allows me the freedom to do the other things I, I like to do. But uh, I don't want to, I don't want that to be misconstrued that it's just all about the money because um, if you're not serving people and you're not providing a good uh, product in the marketplace, the market's going to tell you real quick and you're going to be out of, a, out of you're not going to be in business long. So I see pride in finding that sweet spot of serving and getting paid well. Got it. All right. The fourth question is, what is my unique ability? But don't answer that question because we're going to answer that question by asking three sub questions. Okay. All right. These are fill in the blank. I want you to just speak what comes up from your heart, not necessarily from your mind. All right. So trust your gut on this one. I'm at my best when I'm. Now or wait. Go ahead. I'm at my best when I am. Boy, when I am at my best, when I'm, when I've had a lot of sleep, <laughs> I know. No, uh, it's something that you're doing. I'm at doing, my best when I am. I guess solving problems for people. All right. When I'm at my best, the exact thing that I am doing is. Mm, the exact thing is man i don't know i mean i there's different uh depending on the context there's different things i guess um 
Would you p- maybe be giving hope and inspiring people that there's a way out? And- yeah, that that's definitely a piece of it. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, sitting down with someone, whether it's on Zoom or or capturing them on film or whatever, and and uh, seeing that aha moment, it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. All right, so so now, you, okay, I'm at my best when when I'm uh, solving problems. When I'm at my best, the exact same thing that I'm doing is I'm on a maybe a Zoom call, having a conversation, helping them overcome some things, and seeing that aha moment. That's the exact thing that I'm doing. Here's the third one. When I'm doing this, the thing I love most about seeing people have those aha moments is. What is it that you most love about that? Um, the aha moments that they, I guess, uh, I guess a piece of me feels like, um, I wish I would have discovered that earlier and I'm glad they found that now and now they can go on and, and now they, they have a, they have a path, uh, that's going to help them. Um, it's kind of like seeing your child succeed, you know, it's like, you know, I've been tra- you know, teaching you to do read or ride a bike or whatever. And, and now you take off on your own and, and, uh, and they can fly on their own. So, uh, having that breakthrough is very, you know, rewarding, I guess you could say. So it, it, what I'm getting from what you're answering, if I were to, it goes back to what is my zone of genius for Paul Klein? If I were, it's like, if, if I wanted, if somebody needed some help and I needed somebody who had this as their zone of genius, who would I send them to? I would send anybody to Paul Klein if they were finding themselves stuck and depressed and overwhelmed by the weight of the world's expectations about who they ought to be. And I would send them to you to have a conversation so that they could receive hope and inspiration from you that life doesn't have to be that way and that you can create your own dream and break through to all new levels of success. <laughs> what, and that might, by the way, help be helping you start a business, but it doesn't have to be. See, have to be see, see, that's where it's like start it, helping people launch a business isn't the zone of genius it's the breakthrough and the the breaking free from the expectations of what life ought to be and creating your own expectations of what your life should be exactly only based upon your own desires that's yeah, what your zone co- of genius you're is. good coach you're good coach you <laughs> i feel like this is a coaching session but you you uh you 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 cut through right through that i've never actually spent the time to do that um i've read the book but uh but it, th- that was really cool how you walked me right through that and uh that makes a lot of sense actually you know and i think about it it's it, these things are what these things are important to know about us and and the reason why i went through all this not necessarily to coach you because what I'm going to do next is I'm going to ask you some more questions, but with but here's the thing. Your zone of genius has always been your zone of genius. Even mm. if you're not consciously aware of it, it's it's your zone of genius. It just now even you're- though, Even though pre-09, I never really, really would have thought of myself as an entrepreneur or a coach or a business consultant or anything. I mean, so like in my 35s and early, late 35s, I wouldn't have ever even considered- doing that. I mean, so you say it subconsciously, but I mean, how, do, how does that fit in like earlier in life, you know, for the, those people that 
we'll, we'll get there. So, okay. so check this out. Um, the next question I'm going to ask you with 18 minutes left. Yeah, I think we can still pull all of this off. So, Paul, what are the top three things that you're most excited about having created so far? Oh, top three things. <laughs> Number one right now is visible TV. I'm just super excited about that, which is that new streaming service uh, we can talk about, but that's, that's number one. Um, I'm really excited about the pricing content that I put out. Um, my old, my podcast used to be called pricing is positioning. So I, I'm really, really excited about that. And, um, let's see, top three. I mean, there's other things in other, in my other vertical, but doesn't what, resonate what, like these. So, so I, let, let's, Maybe I should have set the stage for this. This isn't just about your business life and your business brand and all this stuff. Uh, so um, I, feel free to restart your thing. Yeah, you need to restart. So so what are you most excited about creating that, or that you've created already? So okay. you're most proud of creating these three things in this world. Yeah. Number one is my family. Okay. <laughs> um, because uh, I have been, we've been married 28 years, three beautiful children, um, all doing really well. Good. Uh, you know, everything's solid there. They all followed us to Nashville, which says a lot, you know, especially yeah, for, as you know, Cliff, 20 year olds have a mind of their own um, or 20 something. So anyway, my kids um, is number one and, and my relationship with my wife Um so, so family's uh, number one. Yeah. Family number one. And then I guess number, number two is right behind that is, uh, the, the, my ability to have created a income or a business around our lifestyle and not, um, my, not our lifestyle around the business or my career. So pre 09, 18 years, it was, I gotta be at work on Monday. I gotta do, you know, can't, can't travel, um, you know, our 20th anniversary, we're all five of us are in Maui and I'm running my business from there. So, um, being able to have that freedom, um, uh, built into our family. So I didn't miss, you know, went to all the football games and plays and dad was there with mom, um, through all that because I created that business early in our kids' lives. Um, so that we were uh, both parents were, were able to be part of our child, uh, upgrading. So that's number two. All right. And is there a third that comes to mind? What I've created so far, um, I can't, I mean, there's a lot of different things. I mean, it doesn't have to be like you just, just one other thing that comes to mind. It just, just take the first one. It doesn't have to be in the top three. Yeah. I go back to visible TV. Okay. Yep. That's, <laughs> so that, that, I think that's because it's top of mind, you know, but, uh, all right. So check this out. Now, let me ask you this. You, you had children before you went out and left the day job, correct? Yeah. They were, they were in there, uh, you know, 12, eight, somewhere in there. All right. So in the first few years of their life, was there any time when they were stuck and maybe down in the dumps? Did you as a father ever reach out to them and in a conversation 
give them hope and inspire them and help them break free from the way that they're thinking about the world and telling them that they can go create something different. Did that ever happen prior to you (laughs) quote unquote waking up and breaking your leg and starting out on your own? Yes, absolutely. Cliff. So you mean that zone of genius was there all the time? Yeah, you were, you just, you, you just checkmated me right there. (laughs) Wait, it gets better. My friend, are you ready for this? Yeah. And this is why I'm glad that you didn't listen to the entire John Lee Dumas episode yet. All right. What is something you remember creating as a kid? Something I remember creating as a kid, a kid or teen. You did. You decide what that means. (laughs) Oh, let's see here. Choose (laughs) Choose an age. Tell me the age and then tell me what you created. Okay. Probably the most exciting thing I did that comes to mind in my youth is um, I grew up wanting to be a rock star. I loved the band Kiss, my favorite band. And so all through my youth, I had the lunch, but I was one of those crazy kids that dressed up like them in, ho- in Halloween. And then in in my teens, I started playing guitar and I wanted to do what they, I wanted, I wanted that to be my career. Of course, my being the son of a college professor and everything, I wasn't very acceptable, but at let's see 16 a sophomore junior in high school i can't remember um you know i said i want to play a concert so well there was nowhere to play in northern california at the time it wasn't like it is and so we said let's let's hold our own concert so here's my entrepreneurial mind i contacted the hispanic movie theater in the town say hey can we rent the stage on a friday night got four bands, had a battle of bands, sold like a thousand tickets, made like $2,000 in one night. I'm like, wow, this is great. I love this kind of business. So I guess that, uh, at six, 15, 16 was, uh, something I created or I was the lead, you know, the, the point person on it, uh, to make it happen, which was pretty fun. So here's what I'm hearing. There's this guy named Paul. He's 16 years old throughout his youth he's had this dream and desire to have a concert and have a career doing all this thing and and you know it's not acceptable right yeah. so there's a loss of hope you know and, and stuff like that but then you took that dream and said listen let's i have inspired action here I'm going to get out of this hopelessness and despair that I can't do what I want because it's not acceptable because what would people think about my parents if they knew that their kid was this and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. And dude, you made it happen. Yeah. You broke yeah. you broke through from the trance of this is not ever going to be anything. And at 16 years old, you created and promoted your own concert. Yes. <laughs> In spite of being the college professor's son, which uh, was very conservative and uh, not uh, not very um, anyway, it was that's a whole other story. But yeah, absolutely, you you nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> Zona Genius was kicking at sixteen. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah, and then I went into my I went in, later in life after I didn't make it in in my early twenties. I, I went on continuing trying to play and bands and trying to get signed and all that all through that would be from like 86 to 92 and then i finally cut my hair met my wife of 28 years she straightened me out and i went into the 
the trance, <laughs> not with my wife and kids so much, but, uh, professionally and, uh, kind of like, okay, I need to, I need to get a job, support my family, do the responsible thing, which was, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. But by the time I hit 40 and that broken leg is when I woke back up again. Yeah. Fun journey, my friend. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to ask you this next question, and I think I know the answer to this one, and, and this is probably, but but I'm just going to ask this because I don't want to assume what your answer would be. What are you creating next? Mm. Um, it's it's right r- related to visible TV. Yep. You know, um, it's these documentaries, and um, if I can make that shift and shut down my consultancy and you know, all that, and just do that, that would be an awesome place to be. We're real close to that, and um, that's my focus for the next few years. Um, we've invested in that, and um, that's that's where I think my zone of, part of my zone of genius is, is is being in that space. Tell me about when did you first have the idea, the first thought that sparked what is now visible TV? Yeah, I first, I had it for a few years, the whole streaming space, I'd say, so we we took action in October 21, but I had, I had had the idea because I, I'm a connoisseur of Shark Tank and Billionaire Next Door and all through the pandemic, I was watching streaming shows. And I was always like, man, I wish there was one that was for, entrepreneurs like us, like Cliff and Dan Miller and, and all, and all these folks that aren't like, you know, Oprah Winfrey, you know, there's a whole nother level. And, uh, so it had been a few years, but it wasn't until a conversation, which I'm sure you're going to ask next in, um, September, um, October 21, it had come to fruition. Mm. Well, actually, I, I don't know what question you think I'm going to ask next. Why don't you tell me what question you think I should ask next and go ahead and answer it. <laughs> Well, uh, the idea was there, but it wasn't until I met my uh, partner and, and um, co-founder, Kendall uh, Johnson, who is a world-class filmmaker. Uh, he studied under Hans Zimmer in um, LA. He has worked on Netflix documentaries and he was doing some work for me and for our friend Ken Davis with Score. And um, we were traveling. He, he went with me for a project and we were hanging out in the hotel, just getting to know each other. And I said, Kendall, he's a young guy. He's, he's like, you know, in his thirties and kind of mentoring. He just started his business. So I was kind of doing some mentoring. And I said, if money was no object, kind of pulling a cliff on him, what would you want to do all day? And he said, man, I want to, I want to make documentaries to inspire people and, and change the world. And I go, ah, that's great. I go, I go, wouldn't it be great to do documentaries on entrepreneurs and creators? And um, he said, yeah, I like it. And then I go, yeah, it'd be, sure would be great if there was a streaming service like that, going back to my old idea. And then we both looked at each other and it was like, we need to do this. <laughs> Is it possible? So then we went embarked on the whole ideas of, okay, what does it take? Is it like CNN plus is going to take $500 million or is it, you know, low five figures? Well, it's low five figures. Um, you know, and so we just kept getting green light after green light, talked to some of my mentors, Dan Miller and different people and just kept hitting green light, green light, green light. And so we, we went for it. We took action and um, haven't looked back yet. Launched in January, 2022. So launched in January, 2022. Tell me what is, I mean, I know it's documentaries, but t- like how much, what do you do when you do create a documentary? Tell, tell me about that process. Yeah, we really take p- uh, people, entrepreneurs are full-time like yourself and, um, and we put you through a five-part process and we put it into a really um, beautiful 
cinematic story from kind of what life was like when you were a child and kind of, kind of some of the questions that you talked about here. Um, and it, did you have entrepreneurial tendencies, you know, and, and sharing that story from that to episode five, which is the vision and hope you have for the world through the work you do. And so, and in between we have what's called making the soup, the sleepless nights. And through that whole story, uh, behind uh, beautifully crafted, uh, you know, Shawshank Redemption kind of music or gladiator music while you're telling your story, you're hearing, you know, it's giving that hope and inspiration that we were talking about, but all wrapped around Cliff's story or Dan Miller's story. And, and, um, and you really get to see, Hey, these people are just like me. They're just a few steps ahead of me. And, um, and it's just, uh, it's just really good television. There's enough garbage out there. Um, this is a, this is wholesome, good, good television that can really inspire you. When you do these, do you go to them and film this or do they come to you? How does that work? Yeah, we, we have a variety of packages. We have three different packages. The ones you're seeing right now are what we call storyline or, or static base. You come to Nashville, we have a studio or we'll rent a space that fits your brand, maybe a stage or whatever, um, and, uh, and film you. And then we have higher packages, which are like full documentaries that you can wrap around a, a book or a launch. Or if you were doing free the dream, we would follow you around and do like a behind the scenes Netflix quality documentary. Those are really tailored to go um, uh, partner with like a launch or an event or something like that. And then we do the full IMDB registration, Amazon prime. It's just like a Netflix or like Ken Davis is fully alive. You remember that production? Yes. He is very much. That's, that's the high end that we do. And then the, the lower end is, uh, is where we just sit down with you and just um, just interview you as opposed to your team and, and um, testimonials from your clients and so forth. So the revenue model for what you're doing is uh, you, you talk about these as packages. So the entrepreneur that's being featured is actually paying to have this documentary made about their story. Is that correct? Correct. That's We have two different kind of product. Our frontline um, monetization or, or what you see is the subscription model, much like Netflix, you know, $10 a month, sign up, it's on Roku and so forth. That's what you see. But behind the scenes, we're, we're working with entrepreneurs and personalities on, and, and they're paying to, to have these high level um, cinematic um, stories about, about their brand and everything to, and get them on a platform they're not currently on. So it's two, two different revenue models. Gotcha. So I'm just trying to see if I understand and just especially if anybody's here is listening that might be interested in being a part of what you're doing uh, to be included in this as an entrepreneur. Um, so they can pay for one of your packages. And if they pay for any one of the three packages, is it required that their documentary that you've made for them be included in visible TV? So that's the first question. Well, we're always open, but we like to include a license uh, agreement where we can broadcast it on Visible because it gets you on a platform you're not currently on and increases your uh, digital footprint, especially with IMDB registration. People search for The Rock. Well, they could find Cliff too. Um, and then, uh, but we, we, we're open to, if you don't want it on Visible and you just want the documentary, but with all three of those packages, we give you all the film and you can repurpose it for your mastermind. Uh, your YouTube, you can put it on your YouTube channel 
you have a license as well. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, non-exclusive license for both of us. That was um, my, so yeah, we'll, that was my next question is if, if I were to pay for this, is it something that I could use in all the various ways that I would want to use it as well? Absolutely. And we provide up to 24, um, 60 second sizzle videos with your branding, uh, for social media promotion. Um, very effective for book launches and events. Um, having a companion documentary that, uh, is really, really powerful for your brand. And let's see here. How do you spell visible? Yeah, it's B I Z A B L E T V dot com. So visible, not with a V, but with a B, like as, as in boy. B I Z A B L E T V. And is right. it at visible, visible dot TV? No, I don't have, I think I have that domain. I think, I think that domain will forward. What so is it? Visible TV dot com? It's visible TV dot com. Gotcha. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, Paul, I am excited to know you, to call you a friend. Uh, Gosh, it it has been an incredible journey. I love watching you create things in this world to get greater clarity about who you are, why you're here, how you show up and serve people. I have watched you give hope and inspiration to others, and I I love the fact that you're out, out there helping people break free from their routine way of thinking and seeing the world to know that they can go and create something on their own that's in alignment with who actually with with what lights them up and gets them excited to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been an honor. I mean, you've been part of my journey from way back, late 2000s, mid 2000s. So your content, your hope, your inspiration and all that has been huge. And, um, I, you know, I've been, I've consumed your content and um, at paid and non-paid and, and it's so helpful. So for those of you listening, uh, I'm sure you all love Cliff, but he's, uh, he's the real deal and um, really encourage you to implement his strategies because uh, I have and they, they work. Mindset and surmise.